Second, let me make sure I can hear you guys. One second. Bam, we're live. Oh, now I can hear you guys. <laughs> Beautiful. Gary, what's up? Cotton, Cotton. Cotton, Karin, Gary, Trevichian. Cotton, Cotton. Cotton, Gary, Chevikian. Chevikian. Chevichian. You almost got it. Chevichian. Chevichian. <laughs> And, and I and I claim to be Armenian. What a joke. <laughs> what a joke I am. We did it. Oh, we did it. We're here. We're here. I know I know it took a couple of tries, a couple of extra texts, but hey, as long as we're here, uh I see you, you see me. Uh it looks like we're ready to go. So many places to start this. You know how I came across you? Tell I me. Was I was interviewing, I don't know if it was Brian Battle or someone, but it was a UFC fighter. Mm. And I was looking at a picture and, and he was on my podcast and I was talking to him and I pulled up a picture of him. And he said he went to, uh, he trained his, his the best place he ever trained and he said the word, right? And he was trying to say Hyastan Academy. Okay. <laughs> and it, I, and it, I already, I already and, could imagine it. And it's some gym on the East Coast, and he starts telling me about how the guy who owns the place has now moved to L.A., but he's like one of the greatest martial arts legends who ever lived, but you've never heard of him. You can't even imagine this dude. And I was like, okay. So I look him up, and, and his name's uh, Gokor, right? Is that his name? Yep, yep, that's my dad. <laughs> and then from there, I'm like, this fucking guy's got a Armenian son that's going to that could be going to the NBA? I'm like, what <laughs> This is crazy. And and I reached out to your dad. Does you, how's your dad's English? Is your dad's English good? It's okay. It's he speaks it pretty fluently. I mean, he has that Armenian accent though. You know? Yeah. Hey, you even got that from doing eight years of Armenian school. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I went to Armenian school all the way till the eighth grade. So I, I, I read it, I write it. You know, I might have a little bit of an accent. If I do, that's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. you don't sound like you're, you don't sound like uh, you're American born. I mean, you sound, you sound like you've been in the country for like 40 years and you're not even 40 years old, but you still got a little hint of that Armenian accent. You got that. Oh, I love it. I yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. That, that, that shows my real, my, my true colors. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, uh, they, I, at home, my mom and dad spoke Armenian and I don't know, maybe it was around four or five English really started dominating. And then by six, when I was in kindergarten, I started almost exclusively speaking English and my Armenian has gone to shit, but, but I know it shaped who I was for it to be my first language, how I see the world, how I treat people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, it's huge. I mean, even for me, just 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 going through the day and and uh, growing up here in Los Angeles, you know, everything was a lot of Armenian for me, a lot of a lot of Armenian people, a, lot, a, a huge Armenian surrounding. It wasn't really until about my until I, I moved out of Armenian school for high school, started in ninth grade at Alamany when I started really being around um, all types of people, some and, blonde haired, blue eyed people. Say that, yeah, some blonde hair, you know, all, all different kinds. And uh, I think that was uh, actually a, a big step for me in propelling my career was, you know, uh, entering and, and, and um, seeing uh, the world, really, you know, all colors, all races, all, you know, um, all types of people from different backgrounds. It really, really opened my eyes because all I saw for my whole life was just Armenians, 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 all the way till I was like 14, 15. Everything I did, sports related, 
school related, family related. It was just Armenians. And, and, and then in the ninth grade, it was just like, boom, I'm in this different world now and these different people. And, you know, I started adapting there and, you know, that was one of the biggest steps of my career. I want to go way back. I want to talk about how your mom and dad um, ended up coming to this country and how they met each other. But before we do that, can you tell me what the G League is? So, yeah. So the uh, NBA G League is it's the second division of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, every um, every team, every NBA team also has their NBA G League roster. So um, they are they work intertwined. You know, we practice in the same facilities. Um, and we have guys that go up and down sometimes on a night and night basis. So, um, you know, a guy could come in and play, uh, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the G league game and then fly out the next day and be playing with the NBA team. Um, you know, the, it's, it's basically, um, the second best basketball professional basketball league in the world. Um, you know, it, at pretty much everybody who's in the G League already has NBA experience or they're literally going back and forth already. So coming in this year, you know, I learned just what a level, you know, the NBA as a whole is. I mean, it's 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 serious. So so are you attached to a specific team and is that team the Clippers? Yes, exactly. So I'm signed with the Los Angeles Clippers and I've been assigned to their G League roster. So it's really like a super deep bench. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, yeah, it basically is. I mean, if a guy goes down, you know, guess who's coming up, you know? So, um, or if a guy hasn't performed well for two to three weeks, that guy on that G League roster is busting his ass to 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 move up, you know? So it's 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 competitive and it's 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 you know, it's it's an unbelievable um league to be honest with you. Um, can can another team draw from the Clippers G team? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. They can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we actually had uh, this year we had two players um, be pulled from another team. So um, why wouldn't they get pulled from their team? Why don't they pull from their G League team? Well, it matters what the what, what each team's looking for, right? So so Dallas pulled Moses Wright from the, our, our, our Clippers G League team because Dallas needed um, a five-man who needs to be on a two-way contract. Boom, he's in there. Uh, Chris Dunn, former NBA player, first-round draft pick. Um, he was he was on our he was on our roster this year on the Clippers G League. And two months in, he was pulled right up. Uh, to the Portland Trailblazers. He, he signed a 10-day contract. The 10-day contract turned to more than what it was. There he is now, signed with Portland Trailblazers again, back into the NBA. Um, uh, do you go by Gary or Cotton? Yeah, so my first name is Karin. Uh, my middle name is Gary. And uh, since I started playing basketball at Alamany, I've been known as Gary worldwide. Okay. Um, so, uh, everybody calls me Gary, but I really, really do like my first name, Karin. You know, sometimes I wish that stuck, but you say Karin, you say Karin is, how did your parents say it? Do they say Karin? My parents will say Karin. Karin. Yeah. Yeah. So when I talk to, you know, general public and they ask me though, I don't say Karin because then they're going to ask me how to pronounce it 30 times. So I just say Karin and it flows nice and easy, you know, Karin, Gary Chavichin. But in Armenian, or if an Armenian, like a close friend or my family would, would call my name, it would be Godin. If you got a nose that's made to be broken, then it's Godin. There you go. That's 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
And, um, cause, cause my, my whitey friends, I'm Matosian, but to my Armenian friends, I'm Matosian. <laughs> See, there you go. That's how, yeah. that's, that's how it usually happens, man. Um, when I, when I, when I look at professional sports up close, pretty much regardless of what they are, there's a danger factor in all of them. Like mm. big men moving really fast, putting a shit ton of demand on their joints and their, and their ligaments and collisions. And, um, it, it, and, and you, you alluded that there's a huge step up when you go into the G league, when you start, when you start playing with NBA players, is there a component of, um, wow, all of a sudden you're on a freeway with like car, the slowest cars doing 120. Like there's just this kind of almost element of danger to it. Oh, I mean, yeah, there's danger involved in, in, in any professional sport. I would say for sure. Uh, at the NBA level, um, you know, we see, um, a ton, a ton of, um, specific training and physical therapy to, to kind of decrease your chances of injury. Um, you know, luckily, uh, we have, you know, new technology and new science and, and a lot of things that are that are assisting players. But, you know, uh, sports, you can't go out there with the thought of, oh, man, it's, it's dangerous. Or if I stop like this, what may happen? Because then you're not playing the game. Um, you just got to go out there. You got to you got to let your body flow and take what you get you know you might have some aches and pains but you really just got to manage your body manage yourself and man basketball's a, a safe game man I, I grew up here watching my dad and my brother you know fight and, and and get bruised and get kicked in the face and and really they did all the kicking and beating but uh <laughs> I mean you know just watching some of the MMA guys even at our gym at my dad's gym uh, you know, going in there and watching their training and then thinking about, you know, what trainings we do with, uh, at the Clipper facility, uh, you know, I'll take, I'll take that any day. <laughs> yeah. Any day. There, um, you said in an interview, I'm going to keep going forward until God stops me. Mm -hmm. And a, a few days ago, I don't know what I was doing. I was like in the shower or something. And I realized, man, my life has, Oh no, I was in the backyard and I was hearing some wind blow from a couple blocks away through some eucalyptus trees. Mm -hmm. And then like 10 seconds later, the wind blew through my yard. Mm. And I was like, no, nothing's that wind has no plan B. Yeah. And I have no plan B. Yeah. And then I'm watching Gary. He has no plan B. Yep. He's like, it's just going. I'm just going like mm -hmm. Forrest Gump, put my head down. And really I, I'm, I'm going to kind of die in this uh, or God, yeah, I'm just going like the wind. Absolutely. Yeah. So, 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 you know what? Uh, I was, uh, I was in high school. I was a ninth grader. Uh, I was in Almany, um, just first year being around, um, you know, high level basketball players, to be honest with you. And I put my head down and all four years, they said, no chance this kid gets a division one basketball scholarship. It's just not possible. He's too skinny. He's not athletic. Um, you know, it's not going to happen. Senior year, I had a really, really good year in a really, really good high school. Got no scholarship. Went to prep school one year. Busted my ass off. Finally got a Division I scholarship to Idaho State. They said that was impossible. They said there's no chance. The chances of getting a Division I scholarship already are under 1% for anybody. I'm not even talking about Armenian. You know, so, so there's that. I, did, I got to Idaho State. Had a really, really good experience there, a brutal experience, but a really good experience in terms of development. 
graduated Idaho State, was the fourth lead, uh, fourth in history in three-point field goals made at that school. Um, graduated, went to University of Pacific, who was coached by current Celtics assistant coach, Damon Stoudemire. Had a really good year there. We had a record year, 23 wins. Um, I was the second leading scorer on that team, drawing a lot of attention, a lot of buzz, right? And the year ended, I signed with an NBA agent. His name is Aro Vartanian. You know, the, the media is going wild. The press is going wild. The community is going wild. And, you know, there's all this, can he, can he not, right? Because my first dream was to be a Division One basketball player. Now, when I signed with my agent, my agent said, hey, he said, we could get you into the NBA G League and you have to go in there and you got to kill and you could have an NBA career. And they said there is no way he could get into the NBA G League. They said, first of all, they said there's a 0.1% chance that he could get into the G League. It's not happening. Just take him overseas. Just go play professional basketball. Go. So that was an opportunity at that point, just to go overseas. Absolutely, absolutely. I could have, I could have gone and signed some contracts and made a ton of money. But this isn't about the money, and that's what people didn't get at the time. And you know, they told my agent it's not possible, and they they told me it's not possible, just like they said Division One was not possible. But sure enough, twenty twenty comes by, COVID hits right after my season. Um, and my, all my NBA workouts were canceled, my meetings, um, my training camps, it was all canceled, everything. And sure enough, you know, the, the, the talk was, we were right, man. He, he, you know, he, he, he messed up his career and everything was downhill in terms of the notion. And guess what I did in 2020? I put my head down. I didn't go to a single party. I didn't see a single family. I didn't see a single friend. You could ask them if nobody believes me. I was in the gym every single day. And I knew that my day would come, that I will be drafted um, into the NBA G League. And sure enough, 2021 rolls around. First Armenian ever nominated for an ESPYs award. First Armenian drafted into the NBA G League. Um, and here we are today. So my, going back, the reason I'm telling you all that is going to your coat. Um, read the code out again. No plan B. Yeah, no plan I'll keep, B. I'll keep going till God stops. You, you, this was no, your, please, I thought please. a few days ago, fuck, I have no plan B and sure. fuck a plan B. And then I heard you say in an interview, I'm going to keep going forward until God stops me. I said, yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, me no, too. I say that because that's the truth. Um, I feel like I'm on a spiritual um, upbringing. Um, I'm doing things that never were even thought were possible. And this is just the beginning of the story. And, yeah, yeah. you know, it's all related to God. And, you know, I'm, 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 I all the glory must always go to him because when you when you beat the odds of the zero point one percent, you know, there's something bigger there than 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 just hard work and just consistency. You know, there must be something going on here that's going to be so big and so worldwide. Um, and, you know, I, I know it's coming and I'm working towards it. There's going to be bumps on the road, but I'm going to go until God stops me. I, I, I know Cotton can't say this, but I'll say this for him. Not only did he um, achieve all those accolades that he mentioned at uh, Pacific and at, uh, uh, at, Bo- at Boise State. I but- Sorry, Idaho State. But both of the coaches when he was there received Coach of the Year awards. 
And you don't get those unless you have good players. And so call it a coincidence or not that he was at one school and the coach got coach of the year. And then he switched to another school and that got, got coach of the year, but you got to give the players a lot of credit for that too. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, I know I wanted to ask about your dad, but you opened up this door, but why, why was Idaho? You said it was brutal. Why was it brutal? It was brutal because I was an 18 year old who moved out of the house, who was babied his whole life. Yeah, me too. And, yeah. 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 Good you Armenian know, mom. You had a good mom, huh? Oh, a great mom. The best yeah, mom yeah. ever. She would do everything yeah. for me. Yeah. And now I, now I land in this third world country looking place, you know, uh-huh. in LA, you know, uh, and, uh, I'm on my own, you know, I got, I got no friends, no family, nobody that I know. And I'm 18 years old. I came off that plane and I'm like, Hmm, what do I do now? I think I got to get an apartment, you know, <laughs> I'm like, you know, and, and, and I had to figure it out. And of course my parents and my family were behind me and anything that I needed. Um, but you know, it was just the journey of getting there as a little kid and going through those brutal growing pains year after year after year um, and, and, and slowly getting better every year at it, you know, just being an adult, living on your own, taking care of your things the right way, you know, being on time, being responsible. And, you know, it was difficult for me at first, but as the years went on, you know, I started figuring it out. Uh, I really had it figured out at Pacific already. When I got to Pacific, I felt like a, I felt real mature and in control of what I needed to, you know, what I needed to do. But Idaho, man, negative degrees weather. Um, my head coach, Bill Evans, he was in my face 5 a.m. yelling at me, cursing me out. You know, all love to Bill Evans, by the way. I love that type of <coughs> you know, I'm not sensitive. I, I appreciated his, his brutal energy every morning. But, you know, as a young kid, you know, that's tough, man, tough. And and I had to go through it. And, you know, that's where family, good family comes in support. You know, my brother who's been such a pivotal part of everything that's happened. You know, he's been on the phone with me, mentoring me, um, do this, do that. Uh, Don't be down on yourself. Um, He's really given me the elite mindset to be able to, to withstand all of this, because if it wasn't for my brother and, 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 and my family who supported me, you know, there were some brutal, brutal times that I just couldn't personally take, but because of their strength, their support, their mental push for me, you know, I was like, you know what? I got this. When you say brutal, you mean just low, was it loneliness? No, it wasn't loneliness. It was, it was, it was just figuring out um, how to do things, you know, on your own, because that, that's what was so tough. Like I had a ton of friends over there. Um, my teammates were great. You know, I met them throughout the years, but you got a schedule every day. You got school on top of it. You got therapy on top of it. It's negative degrees. It's snowing. I've never driven in the snow. I was sliding and almost crashing almost every day. You know, everything was just so like, I don't know, brutal is not the word for it because it was such a great experience in total. And there was a lot of fun times. It was just brutal because you're a young kid and you got to figure everything out. You yeah. Know what I mean? Um, why didn't you get into, um, when, when I, when I read, get, got out of the nest, I started chasing girls and smoking weed and drinking. How, how come that didn't happen to you? You know, um, I'm just, I'm so focused 
on on the planet planet i was focused i was focused on weed and girls and beer i was <laughs> super focused oh man hey at least you had your fun man i so, did have fun but but ha, i i just i don't understand how you at 18 that you didn't fall into that trap yeah you know look uh as a young kid you you leave the house and and you go out to college you know you're gonna have some outings events and things that you want to go out and have fun with. But the goal was one thing and that was to be the best basketball player that I can be. That, that's why I'm in Idaho. I didn't come here to Idaho to meet girls and party. I came to Idaho because I want to be the best basketball player that I can be. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was figuring out how to, how to do that. And, you know, God willing, what, week after week and month after month and year after year, I slowly, you know, got a good hand, good, got my hands around it. Yeah. I didn't, I guess I didn't know what I wanted. I, I was following, I was just following the playbook at the time, graduate uh-huh. from high school, go to college. Like I, I just was just following the playbook. Absolutely. And I think that's why that, it brings in a very key point to younger kids growing up. You know, it's, it's, it's having that goal and purpose. So you don't just kind of flow um, into, um, the world. You just kind of do what you need to do. Um, how did your parents end up here? How did, how how did your dad and your mom and dad end up in Los Angeles? So my dad was actually invited here from the, uh, uh, USA Olympic team to come here and do, um, trainings and workouts and things of that sort. Where was he living? Was he living in Armenia? Yeah, he was in Armenia. Yeah. Yeah. He was in Armenia. Um, he was a young kid. He was 16 years old when they moved in over here, you know? So it's been the a U.S. Real- Olympic team invited him when he was 16. Yeah. To the junior Olympics. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and was your mom, uh, so he met your mom in the United States. So I think they knew, knew each other over there, but they just kind of got, kept things going over here and got married really, really, you know, shortly after they got here. So uh, what's your mom's name? Cotton? My mom's name is Noreen. 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 And your dad's name is Go- Gokar. 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 Yeah. So did they marry before they were 18? Uh, I think they were married before 21. Okay. So they've, and, and are they still together? They are still together. Dang. Yep. I know. <laughs> Dang. Crazy, right? Yeah. That must Legendary. be tough, right? I mean, yeah. Let- it's um, it's uh, but it, but it's worth it's it's worth it. I I when I think of the crowning achievement of my life, and I've done a lot of amazing things. Uh, my relationship with my wife is like my crowning achievement. I've been with her over twenty years, and I'm like, wow. I'm like, I'm so proud of it. <laughs> That's amazing. No, yeah, no, I, I value that as well. I mean, I'm definitely, you know, hopefully, God willing, looking forward to get married and and do what you did, Sevan. Yeah. <laughs> So sitting back and watching great, great kids like you, man, you're fucking killing it. Okay. So, so your dad comes here at 16 and do they want him to be on the, the U S Olympic team and, and for what sport? So it was for judo. Um, mm-hmm. He came in here a uh, young kid. And I think because of uh, some citizen stuff that occurred here, he actually wasn't able to compete in the Olympics, but he went on a spree and, um, you know, went world tours, championship after championship, European championship, um, multiple national championships in judo, wrestling, sambo, boxing, kickboxing. Um, even as he got older, um, he was going and doing what was called at the time, no holds bar. Have you heard of that? I have heard of it. Yeah. 
No gloves, no rules. Their team bets money, our team bets money. So he would go in confident as hell, bet in whatever amount of money anybody wanted, and he would finish fights in under a minute, no matter who was in front of him. So he was a bad, bad man. Um, even till this day, he's almost 60 years old. We got young professional fighters at our gym that he's tossing around left and right. You know, Ten, uh, six years ago, he went and won another national championship. Five years ago, he put the gi on and said, hey, uh, sign me up. I'm ready. Everybody was like, go for it. Are you sure? You're like 56 years old. He's like, sign me up. And sure enough, he, he won another championship. He's never lost. Um, is it intense being around that? Do, do you think that that's, that's basically your work ethic is just straight off your dad? You know, I wouldn't say it's straight off my dad. I, I mean, it has to, I definitely do have that, you know, legend blood in me. I know that for sure, because he was one of them, you know, he was, he was a special fighter and still is till this day. But, you know, my, I think my work ethic comes from, not sure what it comes from. Maybe, maybe, maybe it comes from God because, um, you know, as, as hardworking as my family is, and I'm sure that rubs off on me, but you know, my, my will, my will comes, you know, from God, because it's, for me, it's all about him. You know, look, our time on this earth is short. Okay. Um, you could have all the money you want. You could have all the girls you want. Um, everyone's life is short you know, everybody, because this thing goes by like this, you know, ask people who are six years old, ask them if it was quick till 60, they'll say very quick. Um, you know, someone asked me, uh, I graduated high school almost nine years ago. I'm thinking, man, nine years really isn't much time. So, you know, for me, you know, I work hard because, you know, I gotta, I gotta do what my purpose here on earth is before my time comes, you know, and, um, I, I gotta, I gotta go hard and I'm going to go hard. I'm going hard every day and, um, I'm going to have some fun along the way as well. You know, it's not just work, 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 work. Um, anybody who knows me on a personal level knows that I am a very, very, uh, social and outgoing guy. I like to go to parties. I like to sit with Armenian people and do chorovats. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a true Armenian, so I'm going to have fun, but, no fun, no person, no nothing could get in front of the path that is to become the best version of myself. That's what it is. You know, you can talk about MBA, you can talk about money, business or whatever. But for me, it's the best version of myself. I got to be the best version of myself. That's 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 what's key. And, you know, relaying that energy onto the kids and to parents and families to really just focus on that. Just focus on being the best version of yourself and see what happens. See what happens. Well, instead of focusing on all these other factors, oh, I need this. Oh, I need that. Oh, I'm trying to do this. I'm just become the best version of yourself. And now you're going to get the things that truly belong to you. This This spiritual component, this God component, this sort of like life path, um, did, did something happen that put you on that? Did you have like some sort of near death experience or, or where did the, where did you no, cultivate um, this? So, so nothing at all, no trauma in my life. Um, I've lived a very healthy life and, um, you know, had support of family and, you know, I have this, uh, spiritual guidance in me and, 
you know, that, that's just, that's just what it's, um, that's what I'm kind of who I am, um, as a person, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm dedicated, you know, I'm dedicated to, um, to fulfilling my purpose as, as a basketball player, as a son, as a brother, as a friend, I'm dedicated to that. And, um, you know, I, I got to, I got to, do what I have to do every day to, to, to be that good son and good basketball player and that good friend and that, you know, so on and so on. And maybe father one day. And maybe father, God willing. Absolutely. Um, I have three little boys, two five-year-olds and a seven-year-old. That's amazing, man. And I saw you in it being interviewed with your brother sitting next to you and they asked your brother a question and he's this big, strong man and, <laughs> and it rocked him to his core. Like I could tell me, like it made him really emotional about you for a second and he started crying. Um, what, what do you think it is how your parents raised you? What advice do you have for me? My, my sons are really close now and I'd like to see them continue that along that path. Yeah. What, what, uh, what did your parents do that kept you and your brother close? Oh man. Uh, I mean, you know, there is no mine or his or yours or our, it's, it's just what's yours is his, what's his is mine. Um, we, we love to see each other succeed. You know, we thrive to see each other succeed. And that's always, um, something that comes from, you know, the parents who, who always kept treated us as one. You know, there's no, oh, he's winning and you're losing. It's he's winning. We're winning and we're losing. You know, it's we're one unit. We're not separate people. So with me and my brother, you know, let me tell you something. When all this stuff happened with the SBEs and the draft and all this stuff, my brother was way, and I'm telling you, it would be impossible to match it way more excited than I was. And I was freaking excited. <laughs> I'm telling you, my brother's excitement level was, couldn't be, couldn't be matched by any human being uh, on this planet. And I see that with my boys. Uh, when they go to jujitsu, they do jujitsu three, four, five, six days a week. They do tennis and they do skateboarding. And Ooh. if like, if someone drops in, the other two will run over and hug them, even though they're only five. And they're like, you did it, you did it. Or, or at a tournament when they win, the other two will run over and hug the one who won. It's crazy. Oh, and that's amazing. Yeah. See that, that comes, that comes from you too, as well though, you know, just keep your family tight. Yeah, I give I, the other day I gave one of them like this uh, peanut butter bar, and he immediately gave it to the older brother and goes, "Break it, into, break, break it into three. Yeah, he goes, "Break it into three. Okay, so I'm on the right path. Oh man, yeah, no, you're doing great. You're doing, you're doing unbelievable. Uh, SP, what's the SP award for? What's the nomination for? Um, it was uh, outstanding. Uh, uh, it was outstanding college basketball player of the year. No shit. Yep, it was honorary. Yeah, it was an honorary award. So it was it was amazing. How how bad were you your freshman year in high school? Were you were you? I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't bad, but because I never had trained appropriately, you know, in Armenian school and uh, Armenian, uh, you know, in the Armenian environment, um, I was pretty bad freshman year. Um, I, I wasn't, did you was, start? Did you start? No, I, I didn't even, I didn't even play. Oh and shit. I, okay. I wasn't, I wasn't even on the varsity team. I was on the JV team and I didn't even play. Okay. So, 
So it goes to show you, I had talent. Don't get me wrong. I had the ability. It was clearly, it was clearly visual in me. That's the reason I went to the school in the first place, but I didn't have the proper work ethic. I had no clue what work ethic even was till I got there. And I started seeing some of these kids coming into the gym, working out hard every single day. They're working on one move a million times. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching and saying, Hmm, you know, maybe, maybe that's what I got to do. You know, maybe that's that maybe, maybe that's what I got to do. And I slowly started developing my work habits as I saw some of these, you know, um, uh, African-American kids and some Mexican kids who were on the team and, um, you know, the environment, the coaches, the coaches were, were, were the way they coached and the intensity that they had, you know, they didn't take anything, you know, you, you better run hard as you can. You better dive on that floor. You better go and get your face bloody. I don't care. You got to go and <laughs> bless you. And, Thank you. you know, this was, this was kind of the, the, the amazing things I learned when I got to Albany was, you know, there's more to the game and there's more to the madness. You didn't see that from you. I mean, you, you trained martial arts for 17 years, right? Mm -hmm. You, you, I mean, I mean, let's face it. Your dad, your dad knew how to do all that, but for some reason you didn't pick it up off of your dad. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Just because I I guess maybe people don't learn that stuff from their dad directly. You kind of need some outside teachers. Look, my what I got from my dad was was the the belief system that anything is possible. Okay. Um, but under that, there comes these pillars of experience that you have to that you have to develop, right? So while my dad's thought process that he was mentoring me as I was growing up was you could do anything, you could do anything, but like I said the pillars of experience I didn't have yet. So, so that's what I really needed was the experience. And trust me, my dad, my brother, my mom, they let me go through it. They wanted me to, to, you know, go hard and win and lose and try and fail. They wanted to see that because they know that that's a part of the pillar to success and, and, and truly knowing that you could do, you could become anybody, you, me, you know, John down the street, Peter over there, anybody could become anything. Um, you know, it just takes the the right mindset and then the consistency, of course. Do you think that um, do the other men on, on on your basketball team know how dangerous you are physically? Do do people know that? Yeah, they know that I've trained till seventeen. So uh, you know, they know that if I get angry, you know, it's it's game time and and. And, you know, I'm not scared of smoke with anybody on that that basketball court. You know, I'm a whole different animal. When we go back to the locker room and we're eating or whatever, you know, I'm real uh, goofy, funny, you know, real chill guy. But when it's on when we're on that court, you know, I'm 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 a whole different whole different personality. So they know that. Yeah. All the martial arts guys I know. Um, and, 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 you know, I don't know anyone maybe of your dad's caliber, but, but my kid's coach is the first, uh, heavyweight champion of the world in Brazilian jiu-jitsu to go over there to Brazil and win it. First white guy ever to do wow. it. And there's a calmness to him. I mean, he probably knows your dad too, actually. His name is Garth Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a calmness to this whole group of like, of killers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But then when you're out there, oh, even though you're, oh. 
when you're out there, I, 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 but, and I know the rest of us men who don't perform martial arts, we feel it. We know the guy with the cauliflower ears who like never fucking loses his temper and is calm all the time. He's very dangerous. Don't sit by him in the bar. Literally though. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder how much confidence that gives you on the basketball court that it doesn't matter um, that someone's 12 inches taller than you and 50 pounds more that if, if it, this thing goes outside to the back alley, he's fucked. I, I wonder oh, how much. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it brings a ton of confidence because they could be as big as you want. You get into that chokehold, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. done. So. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I noticed that my kid's martial arts training, um, it, 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 he takes it everywhere with him, even when he's on the tennis court. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's so important. So important. I mean, like my dad had me and my brother training when we were five. Boom. First things first. You know, yeah. uh, judo, grappling, boxing, um, you know, because even going through middle school and, 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 and preschool, as a, even as a child, you know, you love having that experience of of training martial arts um and and as a as a kid it brings you confidence and you know you have confidence at, at a young age like five six you know that's that's you're you, that's that's showing positivity for the future you know so that just goes to show you how much martial arts has a positive effect on um you know both the mental and the physical it's actually when my brother my older my older brother which is um Arthur, Arthur, he actually runs an institute directed to this. Uh, he, he's targeting youth, um, youth in the area. And what he's doing is he's collecting youth. He's, he's introducing them to different forms of martial arts, military training, strength training, mental training, and educational training. Kids, you know, 5 to 20 years old. And it's funny because the reason he started this business was because of me, because he did that with me when mm-hmm. I was growing up. You know, he, he, he instilled that military mindset. He instilled that, um, um, you know, um, mental strength aspect, which is so important for any career, any child, any man, any woman. And, you know, when things worked out with me, he said, man, I told him, I'm like, Arthur. This is the, this is what you, this is what your purpose is said. You open up that Institute. You could help a million kids just like me. With What's your- it called? It's called elite something, right? Yeah. Elite institution, elite institution.com. Um, it is a special, special part of our family. Um, and a very special part of um, who I am as well, you know, because I have the knowledge of the elite institution in me. And I have the training of the elite institution in me. And, um, you know, kids now, they're all, he's, you know, he's flooded with the younger generation. And hopefully, you know, more people attract to him because he really has all the information that he needs, that that the youth needs, you know. Is this it here? Yep, that is it right there. Yeah. He has a very interesting, um, you know, way of, of teaching. It's different from, what average school is and what average um, education is nowadays, you know? So for anybody with a child or, 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 or youth and assistance, you know, this is, this is where you go. This is where I went. So um, this comes from training from my dad. 
um, and my family, but really Arthur Chavichian is the prince of this family. You know, I'm, I'm, I always said it. I'm, 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 I'm the machine. He's the mind. I just, I just, I just go. He just, he's the mind though. Yeah. <laughs> You're the product of this system. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, it's stapled all over me. Where's the headquarters for this? This occurs out of um, Hyastan MMA Academy. Um, and there's a new facility. In which state? In which state? Uh, Los Angeles, California, in, okay. North, in North Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. And there's actually an expansion coming, uh, moving to Northridge. So. Man, hey, is, is is there is there is there a book that changed your life early on? To be honest, I haven't read many books except the Holy Bible. Wow. Okay. Fair. Yeah, uh, I have been started reading some books recently, though, and I know that I do need to increase um, my knowledge as I go as I get older. So I'm reading "Breaking the Habit" of uh, I think his name was Doctor Joe Dispenza, something of that sort. Don't quote me on that. Okay. Breaking the Habit of You. I'm reading that right now. Um, and I'm also planning on reading um, t- uh, a couple Tim Grover books. I started this book today. It's called How Champions Think. Hmm. That sounds pretty interesting. It's written by Bob Rotella. Okay. He was LeBron James's three-point coach. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess when um, uh, he met LeBron, LeBron was shooting 20, 29%. And he, and he tells a story in there about how LeBron said, Hey, people would just talk shit or just talking shit to me, telling me like, Hey, we can leave you alone out here all day. You can't make shit. And he also was the coach of all three women. I don't know shit about golf. So I may say this wrong. Who are the only three women ever to shoot 59 in a, in a, competition on golf on the golf course and i guess that's a really i guess that's a really low score okay and he talks about and and i just started the book but he taught in in the very beginning he talks about this um uh this guy who's on the pga tour i don't know if you know how the pga tour but they only let 125 guys on the tour and like so if you're at the bottom you could like fall off right and some new guys come on that bottom's kind of like always jockeying for position but if you're one of those 125 guys you get to travel with the tour and um, a guy came up to him and said, Hey, can you be my, um, my head coach? And, and Bob said, what's your goal? And he said, I want to make sure I stay in the top 125. Oh, wow. And Bob said he hated that. He wanted to hear the guy say, I want to be the best in the world. And uh-huh. that way, if he fails, he's still in the 125. <laughs> but like, dude, Absolutely. dude. And the way he made it sound is like you kind of can't teach that. That and you know, like I said, I just started the book. That's Maybe. the part you can't teach. What's the book going to be called again? The book is called. Um, I'll, I'll I'll text it to you. Okay, great. Yeah, no, that done. sounds that sounds super because Doctor no. Bob Rotella, how champions think. I heard I had like a, a UFC champion or someone on the other day who told me, oh, maybe it was the guy. I can't remember, but I had someone on and they're like, Hey man, I read this book and it fucking knocked my socks off. So, so I started reading it today. Oh yeah. I'm definitely going to take a look at it. That sounds good. I'll add it to my list of books. But, but do you, but does that resonate with you? Like to, to sh- shoot for the stars and that way you, I, I yeah, that's like, maybe that's a line from some rap song, shoot for the stars. So you land on the moon. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I mean that, I mean, it can't get more accurate. You know, it's an accurate statement because if you shoot for a, if you shoot for ten, and 
guess what? You're going to, let's say 100 is the max. Let's say you shoot for 10. You're only going to put an effort to reach 10 because you know you just need to get to 10. So if you put your goal at 100 and now you know, oh my goodness, I got to do so much more to get to that 100, you know, and you fall at 84, that's a lot better than 10, right? So, I mean, it just to the point of the book, I mean, it's truly how the great ones think. The greatest of them all, they didn't just become the greatest because by chance or of, you know, some magical potion, they became the greatest because that was one of their goals. They, they, that was one of their, their, um, their ambitions. And, you know, some people are crazy enough to think that, you know, yeah. and believe yeah. that. Like, oh, I'm going to yeah. be the greatest ever. And people yeah. are like, come on, man, you're not going to be, just relax. Let's be, re-. but guess what? The only ones that are the greatest ever, they believed in that first. So. And that's what I was wondering. So you don't become the greatest ever unless you think that. And of Absolutely. course, every, and of course, everyone's going to say you can't do it. And, and, and they're, and you know, it's like you can't blame them for saying that shit either. Absolutely. No, it makes sense. It makes sense because look, the, the, you know, the people from the outside, they're not the man in the arena, you know, people from the outside, they, they that's their job to critic people who are the man in the arena. You know, and it's all natural. It's part of human human nature. You know, they're watching somebody go and, you know, they have opinions of how they should have done it or what they should do. And, you know, that's what makes a celebrity a celebrity is is when, you know, and that's what makes some people the greatest ever is the argument of how, what, why it's, you know, it, it, it lifts up um, the people who truly believe that they could be the greatest ever. Gary, um, that year that you locked yourself in a room, you know, metaphorically with Gary, Gary locked himself in a room with Gary. What are some of the things you do that you just, that other people just can't like fathom? Like, like, did you do anything like make sure you shot 300, two, three pointers a day? What are some of the, do you, have you done any, like I made my kid run a mile every day at five years old. For a okay. hundred days. Well, he came up with it. He said, I want a go-kart. And, I, and I said, okay, run a mile every day for a hundred days. And it sucked because I had to run that shit with him. But oh, he did it. No. Did you did you do some crazy shit like that? Where you're like, I don't care if it's 10 o'clock at night and I haven't shot my 400 shots. I'm going out there and doing it. Oh, man. You know what I did? I, I, I made, sure, made sure every single day I got a minimum of three two-hour workouts a day. Three two-hour workouts. Minimal, minimal. And tell me I, what the, what that would look like. What time do you have to get up to do that? So I would at my schedule during that time. By the way, uh, Coach B Ken from uh, Academy USA, he's a trainer out of there, was doing this with me. Um, he was the one pushing me as well. And we would wake up at eight. All gyms were closed. We had to rent some gym in downtown LA. We would get there at 9, 9 to 11, we would work on just shooting. 11, we would be finished. I'll go eat. I'll go home, shower, roll out, stretch, watch some TV, back at it at 2 o'clock, 2 to 4. 2 to 4, just shooting off the dribble, defensive slides, defensive moves, conditioning, things of that sort. would leave, go eat, come back at 8. 8 o'clock, now we got a light, just touch touch practice, 
you know, work on some, um, you know, alternative workouts, different things. And um, after that, go home, shower, sleep, right back at it the next day. I made sure I did it because I couldn't live life with the fact that I have not touched the NBA yet. I needed to get into G League. After 2020's college basketball year was over, it was set perfectly. I, the NBA agent called me. I signed. Workouts are set. Uh, the hype is real. Damon Stoudemire was my coach. We won most games of the year. Uh, I mean, in history, I had a buzzer beater shot. Everything was great. Everything got canceled. And I was so defeated because I'm like, man, everything I just ever worked for from high school till college just just got wiped out like this. And so the NBA shut down for a year because of COVID? So they went into a bubble. They went oh. into a bubble and they didn't allow pretty much anybody else who wasn't already in the NBA to come in. So it okay. was pretty much closed <laughs> off. I mean, maybe a fraction of people who weren't there entered, but you know, it was it was already um, it was already shut down and closed when when the when my time came. So dude, was, nightmare, 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 nightmare. But I knew I couldn't break down there. That, that, that was the point of life or death. I said, man, I'm going to work every single day and I'm going to trust God's plan. And sure enough, you know, it, it, it right now, today, it, I'm exactly where I wanted to be and, and a little, even a little bit more ahead. So you are. Yeah. God willing, you know. Um, How much better did you get that year? I got a lot better. I got a lot better because um, I turned from a college athlete to a pro. I turned into a real pro because, you know, in college, you don't have a lot of free time to 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 work on your, your true skills and your true self. You're always being told what to do. Right. Go to class at this time. Be here at this time. We got a meeting at this time. You, we got practice at this time. But when you're done with college, suddenly you got all this free time. And that free time determines whether you turn yourself into a professional basketball player or you turn yourself into a, a non-professional basketball player because a high, do you, next thing you know, you're a high school basketball coach. <laughs> you go. I don't mean there, to knock that, but there you go. There you go. You already so, know how it is. Yeah. Um, in, in the sport of, Is your brother Arthur doing something innovative? <clears throat> is he doing something new? He is. He is. He is. Um, I think. I think what he's doing is some of the most important things on this planet right now. Why? Because if you look at our youth right now, for the most part, not all, but for the most part, um, I, I feel a little. They're a little troubled because just of how society works nowadays with social media and TikTok and. And, you know, society norms and things of that sort. I think I think we have a youth that is not confident. I think we have a youth of men that are low on testosterone. It's an it's an epidemic. Everyone knows it. Um, I think we have um, youth and young adults who don't have a purpose um, and they're just trying to figure their way out. And, 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 and mental health. Look how look at mental health is is spiraling, spiraling out of control. I mean, it and is, hey, and no one's coming to help anyone with that, by the way. 
like, like, like if you like if you if you have mental health issues, you better you better get your shit together and start. An exercise is great for that, but yeah, no, yeah, everything you're saying, I, I couldn't agree with more. By the way, that's like most of my shows are about that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 crazy to see what's going on. And when I was young, I kind of saw it coming, mm -hmm. but right now I have younger cousins. I have, you know, um, friends, 20, uh, 20 years old, and they have, you know, family members who are six, seven years old and they tell me what's happening at school. And I'm like, dude, you guys are seven years old. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? I'm like, are you serious? Like, you know, like it, it's, it almost catches me off guard and it's, it's, it's a little worrisome because it is know, worrisome generation. That's the next generation. So, so what Arthur is doing and has been doing these last five years is, is not only, you know, bringing the elite institution inside me, but also into the youth. And, you know, I really wish more parents and more families, um, you know, acknowledged what he's doing because, you know, that knowledge and that that wisdom and that passion for, to the change of youth, it shouldn't go overlooked. You know, it should it should be it should be something, um, you know, pivotal of what we do in today in, in our society. I, I'm, I'm going to send you a link to this book and I'm going to send you a link to this other book that Great. this man that this man wrote. His name's Thomas. So well, he's 92 years old. And I, I want to give mad um, kudos to Noreen and, and uh Gokor. Gokor? Yes. I say it right? Um, yes. Uh, because the leading correlate for everything in society is not skin color. It's not sex. It's, it's not, it's, it's, did you have two parents at home? So if you look at the people in jail, they'll be like, the majority of men in jail are black. Actually, the majority of men in jail don't have two parents. The majority of men who kill people are black. No, actually, the majority of them don't have two parents at home. The majority of people who get cancer are fat. fat. Well, the, no, actually, the majority of them didn't have two parents at home. Anything. You can start looking at anything wow. and ask, yeah. did you have two parents growing up? And when the answer is yes, those kids turn out okay. Wow. When the answer is no, the, yeah, it's the leading correlate for everything. It's fucking amazing. Man, I need to look into that. I'll send you that book too. It's an amazing book. It's an amazing That's book. So amazing. so they'll say to you, they'll, they'll, they'll present to you some facts like, um, uh, um, White men make more money than black men. But if you look at white men with divorced parents against black men who had both parents, the black man makes more money. And you start looking at the world like that instead of color or gender That's or race. And the whole picture changes. People need love at home. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That is they need love at home. Great point, man. Great point. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely going to look into those numbers. That's very interesting. And to your point, I mean, that is so true. It's not about black, white, Asian, um, tall, skinny, short. You know, there's there's a determining factor that matter more than the, the than just the outward appearance of somebody. You yes. know, it's not, it, just because he's tall or he's white or he's black doesn't mean anything. There is determining factors way before that that yes. are scientifically proven, as you're saying you know, to, to either cause great success or great downfall. Yes. Um, well said, so, man, that is huge. And, you know, I think that's huge for me as well. Who's trying to, um, you know, help youth with along with my brother to understand that, that two parents is 
a really important thing. Yeah. And and yeah. although my parents were divorced, I wow. come up in a very strong Armenian culture where my uncles love the shit out of me. My aunts love the shit out of me. Someone was always holding me or pinching me or squeezing me or putting me on their shoulders. And and I, and I still got that. You know, my, my whole family. Armenian village loved me. To, they loved all the kids to death. The kids yeah. were the heroes in the Armenian village. Yeah. It goes to show like even let's say in the unfortunate situation that there is divorce in the marriage, there's still tons of opportunity for people yes. to step in and love yes. and, and fill the void and, 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 and really have that um, success factor because of it. So, yes. you know, it, it's so important just, 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 just loving one another and, 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 and respecting one another, you know, it's, you know, I never understood why anybody would want to bring somebody down or right. or, or 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 talk bad about somebody. I, I, I never did it. I don't get it. You know, I respect people. I feel horrible when I do it. I don't do it very often. But when I when I treat people badly, when I get angry and treat people, badly, I feel hor- I never feel better. I'm not like, yeah, I got him back. I feel great now. I feel like shit. You feel bad after you're like, oh, man, I can't believe I just did that. Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. No one wins. No one wins. No one wins. Yeah. You know, sometimes it happens. You, 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 you we're all human, right? We have emotions and, you know, we, we, we explode and do things of that nature. But, you know, in, in the totality of things, the more love we can spread, man, to one another, to our friends, to our family, assist one another. You know, it's, man, everybody just want, uh, you know, sometimes just wants to, you know, uh, compete with each other, but realizing that assisting each other, you know, you both win. So how much, how much better do you feel when someone cuts you off, when you cut someone off and they flip you off and instead of flipping them off back, you roll down your window and go, sorry, dude, he just flipped you off and you say, sorry, dude to him. And he all of a sudden feels like, Oh shit. And then he waves. It's cool. And Absolutely. you get that shit is so much better than both of you are flipping each other off, man. Uh, that's so funny that you bring this example up. This is hilarious. Yeah. Um, that is actually, <laughs> that has actually been one of my pet peeves when I'm driving and somebody flicks me off. Yeah. Uh, that throws me into such, uh, like heat. Yeah. But you're so right, man. To the, to your points, you know, in that scenario, Hey, oh, roll down your not- dude. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry don't be mad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't be mad. I'm That's a jackass. I know it. That's exactly. I was, I was texting your sister. Off. I was asking. I was talking to your sister on Tinder. Sorry. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm gonna do next time. So I appreciate that, man. <laughs> um. Now here's the question. The, the 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 real question. Is there room basketball? Is there room in basketball? Will will we see innovation in basketball in the players? Like this is a sport that's been around so long. You see people that come along, you know, I'm going to show my age, like Michael Jordan, or or I, I think it was John Stockton had that weird shot. You know, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I've watched enough. And then and then there's this guy now, um, the, uh, a few years ago, and, and he's playing now on the Warriors. I forget his name. He's the three-point guy. Um, I should know. I'm in the Bay Area. Who's the great three-point shooter on the Warriors? Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Or Clay Thompson, either one. Yeah, right. Are, are, is that innovation? Is there room in this sport for innovation? And, and what would that look like? And do you have to steal that from God? Like, do you know the story of Prometheus went to the heavens, got fire from the gods and brought it to man? Like, can, how, 
What would in, what would innovation look like in this sport? And if you could do that, yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you look like, at is me, that what you pray for at night, dear I, God? Absolutely. I mean, I, it's, it's at least something I pray for is just the the, the evolution of, of kids and and young adults as well. I mean, if you look at the NBA and you look twenty years, thirty years, forty years back, you'll see that there's been a ton of evolution, a ton of ton of growth in the game that people are faster, stronger, um, you know, jump higher, shoot from way further distances, um, you know, and so the game has evolved. It's evolving um, and it will continue to evolve. Um, But before, you know, I think where the most important thing is, you know, is not to focus on the evolution of the NBA because, the NBA already has it figured out, right? The, the, the staff, the players, the organization, they know what they're doing. They know how to continue to improve and get better. They got that figured out. But I think the important part of evolution for basketball is young kids, growth from a young age, um, bringing in that knowledge and understanding to youth. Um, and when you do that, that's where – you see the results that you want to see generation after generation and generation. And it is happening. You know, um, there are a lot of trainers right now who are starting to bring in, you know, high tier information to these youth. Um, You know, it's something that I'm interested in doing even during my career. I have a camp here on July 9th and August 5th. Um, I'm running um, the second annual Armenian Sniper MBA youth camp. Um, I'm featuring some very special guests, one of them being Phil Handy from the Lakers. He's an assistant coach. He's a three-time NBA champion, works with players like LeBron. Um, he is known as an absolute legend in the league. Um, I'm bringing in Jim Clemens. Um, Jim Clemens, here's a picture of Phil Handy, three-time NBA champion. Um, to the left of that, we got Jim Clemens right here. Jim Clemens is a 10-time NBA champion. Crazy. This guy has coached Michael Jordan. This guy has coached Kobe Bryant, both of them in their primes. This guy has won championships with the greatest basketball players of all time. And this guy is coming to Glendale, California. It's cool. To teach and work with the kids. Um, you know, this is something that these are people that I have access to. I worked out with Jim Clemens pre-draft in 2021 before the draft. He evaluated me and I became great friends with him because he saw my passion. He saw my drive. And I said, I told him at the time and, and I talked with him with my agent. I said, I said, I said, I said, coach, I said, you would be doing both me and the Armenian community and the minority community here in Los Angeles. A huge blessing. If you could just come down here, work alongside me, we, we you know, we, we hold each other's hands and we teach these kids the right way, not 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 the wrong way, which which you see so many times. And, and, and you know, that's why these kids grow up and, you know, they they have hopes of professional careers and college basketball careers. But it doesn't happen because they never had the right knowledge, the right access, the right mindset and you know i'm gonna make sure i do best i can during my career and after my career to instill that um what's it look like to do it wrong 
Do you know, do it wrong is when you're egotistical, when you think you're working hard, but you're really not. Uh, when you're surrounding yourself around people that you know that are super, you're just super comfortable all the time. It's supposed to be the opposite. You're supposed to throw yourself in discomfort every single day. So you develop and grow. You're supposed to throw yourself into a spot where these guys are so much better than you. You're like, oh, now you elevate your mindset. Now you elevate your work ethic. Now you elevate your motivation, you know, but if you're just comfortable and you're egotistical, I'm the best ever, but that's not going to take you anywhere. And, uh, you know, high, high end professionals will, will agree to that. In the G league, your peer group, do they all have your same drive? Man, you know what's crazy? Uh, from high school to Division One basketball, you when I got there, when I got to Division One throughout, I noticed that guys work harder than but you. There were some guys who worked harder than you. No, no, no one ever worked harder than me. Okay, that's impossible. they just they just worked. So so where so what were you going to say? When do they work so, harder? So so they worked harder, like in general as a group oh okay as you got older. To high school players, right? Right. Okay. Yep. Makes sense. Okay. And then when I got to the G League, I was even more surprised to see how hard these guys work. Because now I'm like, wow, like this is like, like these guys are here two hours before practice. They're here rolling out, stretching, doing therapy, getting shots up. Practice is done. These guys are still getting shots up. They go and get a lift. Now I'm like, hmm, I was working really, really hard. I think I could work a little bit harder. You know what I mean? And, yeah. You know, like, I'll, and that's when it comes to when you're, you, you, you adapt to your environment, you know, that's the truth. You know, when I got to the G League and I'm a guy that grinds, I saw some guys in there that were going super, super hard, super focused. Now I'm thinking, man, I got to I got to go harder than this guy because this guy's killing it. You know, this guy's in the gym every single day, morning and night. But he's been a pro for five years. Don't forget. And this is my first year. So, you know, that's where you got to pick up the ropes a little bit. Um, Is is the season for you over now? Season's done. Um, We report back into the Clippers facility um, probably like sometime in September. And then training camp will be in October. So right from now to then, it's just preparation, 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 and nothing else. And of course, you know, it's summer, you know, I'm going to go lay out by the pool and, um, you know, have some fun and enjoy myself when the time's right. Because, you know, man, you got to enjoy life too. You can't just, you know, pedal to the metal all the time. You got to breathe sometimes, relax and get back to work. So I'm trying to get a good balance in. Any sport you play or anything you like to do besides basketball? Uh, well, I'm trying to think. I like. I'm a. I'm a. I'm really big on marketing. Um, I actually own my own company. Um, my company's called Fame Fast. I work with um, private celebrities, private brands. Um, I own a couple businesses in the Beverly Hills area uh, relating to. Um, plastic surgery and things of that sort. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm also a businessman as well. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that stuff is, 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 is nothing to me. 
It's just basic work uh, just so I could have enough money to feed my family, feed myself and feed, feed my uh, freedom. Um, but in reality, man, it, money is, is last on my list of importance for me. It's being the best guy, best version of myself. You know, am I going to be perfect? Of course not. Absolutely not. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to have obstacles, but at the end of the day, you know, if you do a lot more good than bad, then you, you, you'll be fine. You know, if you do 80% good and 20% bad, you're great. You do 90% good and 10% bad. You're, you're golden. So, you know, yeah. it's just a matter of, 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 of trying to do all the right things. And, um, you know, um, you know, I know a lot of people in today's day, they're focused on trying to make millions of dollars and, you know, um, be a, be this rich guy or maybe even not a millionaire, you know, their focus is on money and I get it, you know, you need money to survive and thrive and feel well and, Money's important, but it's so far in my list of of, um, of things that I truly, truly, you know, want to do in life before money, man. Money. Do, you, do you have kids? You don't have kids? No. no, no kids. Okay. When you said take care of your family, you mean sort of your extended family. Are you even married? You're not married either, right? No, I'm not married either. No, no. When I say take care of my family, I just mean, you know, uh, get my family, anything I want them, whatever I want, um, you know, cover my own expenses so that, you know, I don't feed off them. And, you know, I'm old enough now where I got to take care of everything on my own. Uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make sure as a man that you do that, especially coming close to a potential, um, proposal to my girlfriend. I don't know when it's going to be maybe in 12 months, maybe in six, maybe in 24, but, um, you know, after the proposal, there's a wedding, you know, houses here in LA cost about 1.5 mil for a 500 square foot house. <laughs> so, <laughs> together, right? <laughs> 500 square foot shit box. We'll take 2 million, please. <laughs> so, you know, is how, how did you find a woman who is a partner who is um, compatible with your focus in your in your dedication oh man this was really tough actually uh i always said because i know how my career was going to go right um and i always man i i went on a million dates million different girls white armenian whatever i mean you name it million dates never once did i say I'm going to make this girl my girlfriend. I think she could be my wife. But with this particular girl, uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, a mutual friends introduced us. And the day I saw her, I was like, yeah, she's the one. Wow. For sure. Wow. And, and that's coming from a guy who was brutal. I mean, like I was brutal in the sense of like, Man, I don't need love. I'm, I, I'm not getting married till I retire when I'm 34. I'm going to focus on my career. I'm going to focus on my money. I'm going to focus on my purpose. Right. Um, blah, blah, blah. Like, I was a tough guy, you know? Like, like I don't need that stuff. Like, all that stuff, man. I'm good. Blah, blah, blah. But And to be honest, I wouldn't have gotten a girlfriend if I didn't feel that she was truly the one. So, you know, um, that, that worked out really well. And a year and a half into my career, she's been amazing. You know, she lets me work. She lets me 
work, uh, f- uh, put my energy and my focus onto my career because I've explained to her how important this is. You know, I always tell her, I'm like, look, I know you may not see me as much as you want to see me right now, but don't worry about it because everything I'm doing now is going to be so that we could rest in the future comfortably um, and, and well. And, um, you know, she's so understanding and super supportive. Um, and, um, you know, um, I'm really, really uh, excited to, you know, bring her and make her a very important part of my life. If you, if, and this is kind of a message to all the people out there who, who want to date someone great, you want to be with someone great. If you see a bald eagle soaring, doing all that bald eagle shit, whooping ass on other birds, getting trout, taking, taking fish away from bears, like you're a bald eagle, you do what you want. If you want to be with a bald eagle and you cage that bald eagle, every aspect that you were in love with is now gone. Absolutely. And so that's the trick of loving a bald eagle. You have to let, you have to let it be a bald eagle. And so it's, it sounds like she's come to terms with that. She loves you for who you are and she cannot cage you, but there will be a day that you slow down. And, and, but right now you're building the nest and you're collecting trout and you're, and you're keeping bears off the property and, and you're just, you're just doing shit. And she's like, yeah, that's the fucking eagle. I'm hanging with this. I'm hanging in this area with this eagle. And, and it's the same. It's the same. It can go either way, man or woman. But if you, it's the same thing. You go to the zoo and you look and there's a lion in a cage. Don't kid yourself. That's no lion. A lion sits on a hilltop and like has like 20 chicks around him. And he's like, and if you're not doing lion shit, then you're not a lion. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's huge. I mean, look, I'm supportive of her and whatever she wants to do in her career as well. And, yeah. You know, uh, look, look, you can't play basketball till you're 75 years old, right? So right. Uh, I plan on playing till I'm about 35. I'm 25 now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, and I'm going to try to accomplish as much as I can in my 10 year basketball career. You know, last year was my first, my professional, at least, my first professional uh, basketball year. But I had 10 years before that, five years in high school, five years in college. This was my 11th year. Um, playing organized basketball and it'll be my second year in professional basketball. So she understands fast, man. You did a lot fast, fast. And it it was, it was fast and it was a lot of experience and, and, and growing pains, but it pays off, man. Hard work always pays off. And, you know, going back to, uh, you know, having a supportive girlfriend, man, it's, 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 it's important. So did you, did you, is she Armenian? She is. Yeah. Oh, your parents must be so happy. Yeah, yeah, she's Armenian, and uh, you know her, her. I love her family as well, so it's it's going to work out great. Oh, that is nice. And do they like you? Oh yeah, they love me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, at least I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, yeah, they, I, we have a pretty good relationship. So, um, Cotton, how, how do you feel? Do you think about your chances of getting um, into NBA games? Or do you push that out of your mind and just work as hard as you can? Or do you think, oh, shit, if I don't do it in the next two years, the window is going to start closing? Or do you have any, like, anxiety? Or, or what, what's, like, the how – do, how, do how do you process your age versus your skill versus where you are with where you want to be? Yeah, so um, kind of like going back to what I said from, from, my, from my, in high school, you know, my only dream was to play Division One basketball. And then and – then, my agent said, Hey, we got to get into the NBA G league. It's going to be tough. Now I'm in the NBA G league. Now it's, 
can he get to the first division of the NBA? We didn't believe he could even crack into the NBA, but can he get to that first division? Can he get on the big floor? And, you know, in my mind, when I think about this question, I immediately revert back to what I've done my whole life. And up until this point, which has worked so well, which is work as hard as you can every single day. Stay as focused as you can every single day. Only focus on today and tomorrow. Only focus on today and tomorrow. And most importantly, you know, no matter what happens, up, down, left, or right, I always trust in the plan of God that he has set out for me in my life. And that brings me the most comfort with my career and my destination. Because even if things don't turn out, let's say the way I want them to, I'm comfortable in my heart if and only if I gave it my true best effort. Because then I know I gave it everything. Like if I didn't get to the NBA G League in 2021, um, I would have been okay with it in a sense because I truly gave it my all for a year and a half. I, I locked those doors and I told myself, hey, if it doesn't happen, you won't have any regret because you gave it everything you got. Everything. And sure enough, 2021 comes around, the draft happens, and now we're here. So moving forward. So you got you got drafted into the G League. Yep. First wow, How exciting. Ever. Yeah. First Armenian ever. Yeah. They, um, they, did you think you would be drafted or were you just kind of just sitting there like, just like, fuck, who knows? So prior to the draft, I got five NBA workouts with the organizations. So I went to, um, I went to the Lakers for two weeks first. Then I went to Houston. Then I went to the Warriors. Then I went to uh, Sacramento. Uh, Then I went to the Clippers. So ironically, I finished off my pre-draft workouts. The draft is on October 23rd, 2021. I wake up in the morning anxious because, you know, this is make it or break it. Either I'm either going in or, or, you know, it's done, you know. And uh, I wake up. Anxious, I can't. I couldn't even sleep. I, I look at my phone. Nine a.m. Draft starts at ten. I'm calling my agent. I'm like, "Hey, did, did anybody call? What's going on? Like, are they going to say my name? Like, I don't know, man. Like, to be honest, you know, they're showing interest, but with these things, it could go any way. And ironically, um, in the second round, the seventh pick, right before I get a call, Minnesota Timberwolves. Hey, um, we're drafting you into our G League. Uh, we're about to pick you and then in, in, in two more picks. It's you, it's us. We're going to pick you. I turn off the phone. I call my agent. I'm like, all right. I'm like, Minnesota called me. He's like, Minnesota. I'm like, yeah, Minnesota. We didn't even have a pre-draft workout over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which was, which was, which was, which was ironic, but I go there for two weeks. Uh, so, so they, the draft happens, you know, we're static. How did they get your number? They just have a roster with your number. Is that, is that protocol to call the athlete? Do they tell you, Hey, have your phone on and be ready that day? Yeah. Because, because the coaches might call you and ask you a question. Usually they call the agents, but it's potential that you get a call too. Okay. Okay. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, um, there was, there's only 200 people who were um, eligible for the draft. Okay. So, So I was one of those 200. So I think only like, I don't know. I don't know what the number is. I want to say maybe 90 people got picked. I'm not okay. sure. Um, don't quote me on that. But 
um, yeah, they called me and then, and then I went to training camp there for two weeks and then, um, you know, process went trade happened with the Clippers and then I was playing with the Clippers G league team this year as, and wait, so were you tripping? Were you tripping when you came back to LA? Were you kind of like, fuck, here we go. I'm going to Minnesota. (laughs) It's kind of like bittersweet, right? Oh man. It was actually kind of wild because, um, you know, G League, the, 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 the G League games, right? And typically they don't get, um, you know, big audiences. There isn't 20, 30,000 people filling up their arenas, right? So the first, the first, um, first day that I signed, you know, the news went off, Fox News, uh, LA Weekly, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Gary Chavichian, first Armenian draft in the NBA, he's playing at the Toyota Center. So uh, the the president of the, the which I'm good friends with of, of our organization, his name is Justin Dunn. Um, it, he was he was he was blown away by the ticket sales in the first two games, uh, just because you know you know how Armenians are. You yes, know, they, yes, they, like, yes. Oh, they came in with the flags and and the the, 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 the little uh, uh, drum type thing, yeah. the air horns and. Um, it was a, a special day and, you know, the second, uh, the second day, the Armenians actually got to see me hit my first, um, professional jumper in Minnesota. No, in, in LA. Oh, because by then you'd come to the Clippers. Yeah. I was already here. Okay. okay. Yeah, I signed and then there, we had the first two games. Okay. Does that makes sense. So the yep. Armenians were just all over the place and, you know, I really, I love the support, man. You can't. You can't love Armenia enough and Armenians enough. You know, that's one thing I love about Armenians is like even throughout history, look at us. We're always sticking together and yeah. supporting one another. And that's why Armenia is, is, is such an amazing culture. Um, is it hard keeping us? Do you, how do you play it when you go out onto the court and the fucking the brothers are losing their shit? The Armenian brothers and sisters. Do you keep it cool or do you wave? Um, you know, the first game, uh, I was a little nervous. I, I yeah. had family there. And, yeah. You know, all this stuff. And and I was so, I'm like, I think back, I'm like, you're so stupid. You know, like, I literally did not say hi to one person. You know, I just stood in the zone and I knew everybody where they were sitting. And I saw a couple familiar faces and I saw the flags. But, um, you know, I, uh, I, I was just trying to stay in the moment. But as time went on, I kind of got super comfortable and it came normal. So now I was started to say, you know, what's up, guys? Take pictures with people. Like even during halftime or whatever, I was really loose and, and comfortable, you know. And that comes with experience, obviously, you know. First time doing anything, especially at that level, you're going to be a little nervous. <laughs> I think your voice muted. No, I didn't say anything. I was just, I just taking a long, dramatic pause. Because I'm, I'm old and my brain moves slowly. When I, when I was a young man, I was very proud to be Armenian. And I was taught um, about all about the Armenian genocide. And part of my identity became that the Turks um, slaughtered the Armenians. And as, I, as I'm older and, and, and I, and I, and I want to say wiser, and I liked having that Armenian culture and that Armenian identity. I identified, I never even, like now that all this gender talk comes up, I don't even understand that because I don't even really identify with being, I never think I'm a man. I just think, like, I don't know what I think I am, but I just, I'm, but I do think I'm Armenian. But as I got older and wiser, 
I'm realizing that I'm nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I'm a I'm a vehicle for an unknown spirit that you call God to Absolutely. do good to do good on the planet. No, I agree with you, Sev. I mean, look. Do you think that you'll come to that too, or how? Like, it's been hard for me. I don't want to see Turks as Turks anymore. I don't want to see Armenians as Armenians anymore. I can't help it. I see your last name, and I fucking get all warm and fuzzy. I think about your parents raising you, and I love my little Armenian Jew boys. I'm raising my Mm -hmm. wife's a Jew, and Mm -hmm. I. But but part of me wants to let it all go and just be like, and and just be in love with everyone. Yeah, Yeah, I just want to be. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. No, look, um, as supportive as I am of, of Armenian people. And, um, I think I'm talking about Armenians because I'm Armenian who was the first ever, but in reality, everything I've learned away from my family, Mm -hmm. everything that I've experienced has been with whites, blacks, Mexicans, Asians, different different cultures who've 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 shaped me into who i am today as well you know when i was in alamany i wasn't with armenians when i was in idaho i wasn't with armenians when i was in uh when i'm in um what i'm doing now with all the people that i'm doing it you know in the nba the only armenian that that i that that's in there is my agent (laughs) (laughs) Who's, <laughs> <laughs> of course the armenian money guy is uh, uh of course the, our money guy's armenian you know aro bartanian he's um he's my he's my armenian brother in the nba and hey why not right armenian help another but but you know to to your point we're all one we're all human we if you know we all bleed red blood um and you know we all experience the same emotions the same love the same hate the same we experience the same things that this universe has to offer. And, you know, um, while I have great respect and great happiness of being an Armenian, you know, I love so many things that I see in some of these other traditions. And there's so much more out there that could be learned as well. You know, um, every culture, every race, every man, every woman, there's the good and the bad. Right. And you just mm. have to look for the good. In all things, you know, and, and and pull, take the good, take the good. And, and that's what I've done. You know, I've uh, I, I remember I was 16 years old. I was in Alamania. I went to uh, I went to uh, I had a I had a um, I had a friend. Um, we were close together. You know, we we're crush, crush high school, um, you know, friends. And um, I would go to her house and she was Peruvian and I would sit there with her Peruvian family and go to her Peruvian uh, uh, get togethers. And, you know, I'll be like, wow, like, you know, they have such amazing culture and, and there's so many amazing things about, you know, the Latina Latino culture and in all cultures, man, like there's just so much to be learned and it's, it's detrimental to only look for the good in your own race or culture, because there's, right. you know, there's so many, knowledgeable um traditions and techniques and 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 wisdom that comes from egypt and africa and um europe and you know what i mean like it's it's a limiting limiting factor for a man to say hey this is my culture i'm gonna stay here and only look here 
of course, you know, you got to understand your culture. you got to fill into your culture, but you also want to be open to this oneness that you talk about, which truly is. We're all one. Gary Chavichan. You got it. <laughs> Cotton Gary Chavichan. Thanks, brother. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Sevon. It's, it's a pleasure to be here speaking with you. Yep. Um, you know, you're a legend in your own way. And, um, you know, hopefully we could keep spreading good knowledge, good information to your viewers and as well as the world, because, you know, it's a time in the world where we got to we got to really, really speak up and help one another. Awesome. I couldn't agree more. Um, I have your phone number. I will. I have you in my Google alerts. We'll be, I'll be watching closely. I know, um, I know you're going to think this is funny as you look at this 50 year old man, but, uh, my mom and dad will be so proud that I had a, um, Armenian man, um, of your success on my podcast. Oh, um, great. <laughs> so, uh, tell your mom and dad, hi, tell your brother. I said, hi. And I know our paths will cross again and, uh, and we'll, and we'll chat for, uh, soon for sure. Absolutely. God willing. Thank you.